great and mysterious Matt Solomon. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, Brendan. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm glad to have you. This was a. I think you were one of the first people to really like go out of their way to reach out, so I appreciate that. You yeah, know? you know, well, I see the work you're doing on social media, and you know, it seems like a great podcast. And I'm just happy to be a part of it, man. And I'm happy you had me on. Hey, thank again. Thanks for thanks for your time. I appreciate it. So uh, you you did hit me with a, an interesting topic that, uh, you know, I started the show and I'm like thinking of the obvious ones, like someone's going to work uh, comedians. Someone's going to pick alcohol eventually. Someone's going to pick, you know, the like vices and, and nostalgia things. But would you, would you come in with today? You know, I got a guilty pleasure and my guilty pleasure is fifties comedy. Okay. Uh, now who, who's your favorites? Like, let's just, uh, dive favorites? right in. Uh, I consider the goat of all comedy, not just fifties to be Jonathan Winters. The, uh, the king of improv. Okay. They argue he's the founder of improv. What's his name? I'm going to write this down just for the for my own. Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters. He, uh, they say he's responsible for Robin Williams. So, Re- oh, that's very cool. Yeah, so, okay. so thank him for that. Yeah, he actually, for sure. He died in, I want to say 2013. He died in 2013, very sad. You know, a lot of the greats have been dying lately, especially from the 50s. You know, it's about Shelley, that time. <laughs> yeah, right. Sh- Shelley Berman died. Uh, Carl Reiner died. Dick Gregory died. Jerry Lewis and Don Rickles died within months of each other. They're going, man. Yeah. They no, just, they can't take Mel Brooks. If they, <laughs> if they take Mel Brooks, I'll be pissed. Because that means they're going to have to find someone else for Hotel Transylvania 4. Or, I didn't know he worked for, on those movies. Yeah, you know, he plays, I think he plays like the Grandpa Vampire or something. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, getting in the generations for kids. I just watched uh, Young Frankenstein. My my fiance was uh, Igor for oh. uh, for Halloween, <laughs> which was great because she she works at Trader Joe's, so she's just walking around as Igor, you know, going like <laughs> what hump like. <laughs> but yeah. it, I thought I had, I guess I had seen bits and pieces of it growing up, but I I'm rewatching it, and so much of it was new to me that I'm like I don't know if I actually it was kind of that, you know what did that to me Jaws. I watched it for the first time this year. And I'm like, I might as well have seen this movie already through references. <laughs> like it was, but I do, I do appreciate me some Mel Brooks. I, I, as I told you earlier, I kind of came into this knowing I'm gonna not know so many names because I, I sleep on comedy history. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you know Mel Brooks because Mel Brooks is a legend. And you know, speaking of Young Frankenstein, I was introduced to Young Frankenstein through Adam Sandler, the movie Big Daddy. Okay, it's, it's in like the montage where he's getting close to the kid, like. Dylan or Cole Sprouse, they're getting close to each other. And he's like showing them all the cool stuff that he does, Adam Sandler. And he's showing the kid the stuff. And one is the movie Young Frankenstein. And it's the scene with the revolving door. And the like you take the library book off the shelf and it's a revolving door. Okay. Into like a secret laboratory where yeah. he's creating the monster. <laughs> and he gets his arm caught in it. I, I, that was hilarious. I never knew what movie that was from. Then I saw Young Frankenstein. I actually saw it for the first time a couple years ago when... And I just, I immediately was like, that's from Big Daddy. And like, you know, man. Uh, and again, that's getting generational because you know, people led to other people. Like Jonathan Winters led to Robin Williams. Mort Saul led to Woody Allen. Hmm. You know, uh, Jerry Lewis movies led to Adam Sandler movies. Like, you all know, 50s, they really paved the way. Because, you know, uh, 50s, they say they re- 50s revolutionized stand-up comedy. Because before that, it was vaudeville. Uh, the, gotcha. the, the first recorded vaudeville comedian, I think, was Frank Fay, who had a pretty good career. 
I, I typically fake. I don't know any of his jokes really because I don't I can't find him on YouTube or anything. But but yeah, man. So fifties. 50s before the 50s in vaudeville they had all the jokes like oh my mother oh my sister oh my uh my wife please all those kind of jokes mm-hmm. but then they kind of steered away from oh my boss my mom no they started talking about i me i did this i did that this okay. is about me laugh at me and these were these these guys paved the way for it you know well yeah and the main guys who they say revolutionized stand-up comedy in the 50s were my man jonathan winters Lenny Bruce, who was actually from Wanta, where I'm from, and Mort Saul, who they just they destroyed in the fifties. They just they demolished it. You know, and I, I not knowing much about this era of comedy, it it just seems challenging to do any sort of comedy in the fifties. Like there's such a strict just cultural kind of like, you know, all, basically rules that unwritten rules, you and know, that you know, man, these guys broke the rules. Lenny Bruce, he had a spot on the Steve Allen Tonight Show, and it didn't get aired because it was too dirty. You know what that set was about, man? It's about snot on his shirt sleeve. No way. Snot on his shirt sleeve was too dirty to get aired airplay on TV in the 50s. Man, we'd all get shot if we went back into the stand-up in the 50s as our current selves. Holy shit. Yeah, man. I, I hear comedians doing sets about cum on their shoe. And to compare cum on your shoe... To, it's not on your sleeve. That's like, <laughs> I guess it's well, the modern I day. I don't know if you're if you're referring to any of my recent stuff, but I yeah my my best my best like long form story is about getting come on my toe in the shower. And it's not mine. <laughs> it's not mine. It was a it was a in the moment I was not very happy with uh, with my buddy whose place I was staying over. <laughs> like it was. Wait, it wasn't your cum on your toe? It was someone else's cum on your toe? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, not not to ruin the whole bit, but the real story is, I yeah, I'm, I'm staying over at my buddy's apartment because we're both working, doing a job in the city. And instead of taking the train home, I stay in his place in the city. And I go to take a shower, step into a puddle of cum, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, shit. And I go confront him about it. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not mad. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm, I'm forgetting that this person has been on the show. This is a episode 10, Masturbation with Jake Offerman. Oh, um, yeah, very it fits. Um, but it wasn't his cum. I thought it was... I, the way I tell the bit was like, I. it's lifelong friend cum. It's, it could be worse. Like, if anything, we bonded over it. But I, I confront him about it, and he's like, dude, that's not my cum. <laughs> it was his roommate's cum. After uh, his roommate was uh, hooking up with uh, his girlfriend, and they didn't rinse it out like that, like fucking savages, man. Yeah. But I would never get away with that story. <laughs> and the, uh, if, if this guy couldn't get away with snot on his shirt, yeah, man, that's wild. It was insane, and you know, like they're breaking all the rules. Jonathan Winters, he liked to say he tried to get away from jokes entirely. He did improvisation off the top of his head. And, like, to me, that just blew my mind because when he talks, he just talks and talks. And it's the funniest shit you ever heard in your life. He met his wife at college. He went to, like, an art. He went to, like, the Dayton University of Art in in Ohio. And he met his wife there. And he's literally, they met. They're just in a group talking. And he's just talking like he would to any normal person. Mm -hmm. Just talking, being himself. And him, himself is nonstop funny, funny, funny. So when he started talking just randomly, her jaw dropped and she immediately fell in love with him. She fell in love with how funny he was. 
like his just off the cuff, like unfiltered, natural funny. That's cool. And they built a relationship off that. And I don't know, you want me to get a little deep into Jonathan Winters? Yeah, tell me about Jonathan Winters, man. What jo- what what tickles so, your fancy about him? So Jonathan Winters, he wanted to be a radio guy. Okay. He wanted to be a radio guy, and he wasn't making any money in the radio. Uh, his wife knew how funny he was, so she encouraged him to do stand-up competitions to win watches and like 50 bucks, hmm. a little bit of money. Sure. And he starts doing it, and he's winning every competition in Ohio. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take this on the road. So he travels to New York City, stays there for like four years, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. Hits like uh, he hits all the back then. It, was, it wasn't like it is now. Like you have to hit the open mics. Like you just go walk into a place that does comedy or live music. You just <laughs> yeah. say, hey, I'm a comedian. Oh, I've never heard of a comedian in my life. Uh, I'd love to have you on because it was, it was more of a rare thing than it is today. Right. And so he's getting on all these places, getting money, sending it back home. He has a kid at this point. And wow. he gets to a point where now he's getting booked everywhere. He's getting TV spots uh, on like the Jack Parr show. He's getting spots in San Francisco where actually he got into trouble that kind of changed his life and everyone's perspective of him. He uh, was that? he did one show where uh, he was drinking like 40 cups of coffee a day, like literally. And like he couldn't sleep. He was an alcoholic drinking a lot of alcohol. And one day he... It just keeps getting to him. He's doing sets and he's not even being funny anymore. So all he's talk, all he's doing is crying on stage, talking about how much he, how much he misses his family. And I'll actually get an occasional chuckle, which is like sad. <laughs> Pity chuckles. Yeah, he's yeah, like, I'm, I miss my family so much. Haha, that's funny. It's not funny, you jerk. I miss them so much. <laughs> it's my daughter's birthday. Here's a picture of her. Jeez. And and so <laughs> and so you know. He's crying on stage. He yeah. He's having mental breaks, breakdowns, and it led to him jumping on a ship that was docked, and he's just screaming, like, I'm the captain, I'm the captain, and, like, saying some funny stuff, and uh, he, he got arrested, and his people were trying to say, oh, he was just joking, he was just joking, and yeah. the cop goes, Jonathan, were you joking? No. He straight up said no. Like, he had a mental breakdown. He wanted help, and he, he's spent the next few years in and out of mental institutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so then, who who ends up being his biggest fan in the world? Robin Williams, and Robin Williams, you know, rest in peace. He uh, that that was his guy. Like when Robin Williams started doing comedy, he was doing Winters. He was doing yeah, stream of consciousness stuff and yeah, crazy. And literally okay. like literally like not even his Robin Williams style yet. He was doing more like a Winters style, which like gotcha. evolved into the Robin Williams style we know. Okay, and. Robin Williams kind of had like a similar fate, you know, with alcohol and, uh, you know, mental disease. And, you know, it was very sad what happened. Definitely. Um, What's out there of Jonathan Winters? Did he do, is this, does this predate specials? uh, If you want to see, this predates specials. If you want to see primetime Jonathan Winters at his best. Okay. Look him up on YouTube in his interviews on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He just... They want to talk about a stream of consciousness. He just talks and doesn't stop. They'll th- they'll give him a hat and he'll make a character out of it. They, get, <laughs> they give him a stick. He's a fisherman. He's harpooning a whale. He, he does a million things with it. He uh, he's insane. If you want to see good good Jonathan Winters and have a great time, John uh, look him up on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. That's his best because when after he had his mental breakdown, he stopped doing stand up. He never okay. did stand up. He just did like couple tv slots like uh mork and mindy 
Okay. And uh, that was insane. He comes out of an egg. He play. He's freaking 20 years older than Robin Williams, and he's playing Robin Williams' son as an alien. <laughs> that's, but it's cool that they came together to, to yeah. collaborate. That's really cool. Yeah, and actually Robin Williams made that happen. You know, he loved Jonathan Winter so much, he considered that his mentor. He... Uh, he he'd do anything for Jonathan Winter. It was it was really cool to see two comedians like one just idolizing another and one just being so open to a new comedian and like Robin Williams being the talent that he was. But back to Jonathan Winters, he stopped doing stand up after his mental breakdown and only did tonight show spots, television spots. He did poetry albums, he did paintings. Even his paintings were funny, man. Like he went on the Tonight Show with a couple paintings, and he and John Johnny Carson was like, "So describe these to me." He's describing them like real talk. Yeah, but it's it's freaking hilarious, man. <laughs> like his painting's hilarious. Like I, and like if you're just looking at it, you're like, "Oh, it's it's a painting. That's nice." But he explains it. It's hilarious. That that kind of makes sense though. That a, a really early comic like that is that style of just just naturally super funny off the cuff. You know, because I imagine, you know, now that stand-up's been around and it's this this huge thing in the entertainment industry now, there's so many people trying it, there's so many people that are, you know, like really, not to knock writing, of course, because like I write and I, but just that ability to go up on stage and, and just do stuff off the top, like I've done it, I'm not the best at it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, let me ask you though, is that is that what you say you do? Because I don't think I've ever seen you at two mics or events in a row and heard you, I don't think I've ever heard you say the same thing twice. I, um, I, I take a page out of their books. I, uh, I like to do improv. Hell yeah. I, uh, well, which is cool. Cause I feel like I, I, this is totally anecdotal, but I feel like a lot of, I'd say more comedians in my circles dislike improv than like it. And I fucking love improv. It's, it's the potential it's high risk, high reward. You know, like you know, the potential is, is, is great. It's thrilling, man. It uh, it's really fun, and uh, honestly, I want I want to like study it more, and like uh, I want to find things out because I know there's a whole art to it. Me, I I just improv on stage. I just try to pull jokes off the top of my head and make people laugh. I know there's a whole art behind it, and you know I'd like to find more find out more about it through guys like you know like Jonathan Winters and Robin Williams. Robin Williams freaking went to uh, Juilliard and was studying this stuff, and. I mean, I'm not going to Juilliard anytime soon, but... Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) All I can do is uh, buy one of Robin Williams CDs and, like, hope to learn something. Yeah. I think the last thing of of Williams I listened to was the... uh, Because it had been, been like, a decade since I heard the... His golf bit. And it's just... It's just so impressive. Like, I... It's just... It's not so... From doing this show... As we kind of talked about earlier, you know, there's there's different lanes of guilty pleasures. There's different things to potentially be guilty about. And just from spitting so many Jonathan Winters facts, you're just making me think of the lane of like, it just takes, it seems to take up a lot of uh, mental space for you. A lot of memory, <laughs> a lot of RAM. Like, you know, there'll be times where I'll, I'll be, especially at like a comedy show, and I'll be talking to a, a fellow comic that, I've known for like a year and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I can't think of your name. I know like the name of the entire Transformers 86 movie cast, but I forgot your name and I feel like a dick. Uh, do you ever, do you ever get that with, with your hobby of fifties comedy? You just, you just know a ton of shit about it and you just, 
Yeah, man. Facts, you know, man. Yeah. You know, it takes me uh it takes me a while to learn people's actual names. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. It's the same here. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, like it's weird. Like I'll see I'll see a comedian and uh, I'll recognize their face, I'll recognize their material, yeah. but I I don't learn their name unless I see them like five times a week at the open mics yep. like for like a year straight. <laughs> like like uh referencing to the episode I did with Andrew Bergen, like I know so many fucking like Yu-Gi-Oh card names and I could oh. read their effects verbatim like from memory but like I can't remember to turn my car lights off. It's like I just I'm out of RAM, man. I'm out of, I'm out of mental memory. Oh man. I just wish I was a computer and could just like delete some old stuff, make some space, <laughs> clean the cache. But can't do that with these organic computer brain things we got. So, Jonathan Winters, who's uh, who else comes to mind? Uh you want to Still stay on the topic of improv, uh, Lenny Bruce, Lenny okay. Bruce, Long Island's own Lenny Bruce. He, yeah, uh, that's that's a name I've definitely heard, but still over my head. So feel free to go to town. Yeah, if if you want to learn about him in this generation, you're not going to learn anything about him. But uh, he is on the show. He's not on the show, but his his character is on the show of uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, okay, he's a he's a character on that, and that's honestly the only reason I watch the show. It's a good show. Uh-huh. I like the comedy routines that she does because she's all she also does improv well it's a show but, she, you but could say she's she does based on improv. joan rivers right or am i, am I wrong about um, that you know i really have no idea okay i've heard that i don't know if it's true five listeners that listen to the show don't get angry if i'm wrong but but there's a character heavily based on lenny bruce yeah okay it, it's literally like his name's lenny bruce like oh they, they use his name it's supposed to be lenny bruce okay that's cool that's cool the guy actually looks a little bit like him too nice but lenny bruce yeah man he uh so, I think he lived in Mineola, I want to say. He lived in Mineola, ran away to Wanto when he was 17, uh, joined the Navy, <laughs> and then right after the Navy, became a comedian. Huh. He uh, he bombed, man. He was terrible. He, was, uh, he wasn't good. He was doing impersonations and stuff, and it wasn't until he, it wasn't until he, what do you call it? He started going off the top of his head that he got better responses. Interesting. And so he would do strip clubs. He was mainly getting jobs <laughs> at strip clubs. And he literally just go up to someone. Am I out the Christmas? Absolutely, man. He literally just goes up to someone. He says, fuck you. Your nose looks like shit. <laughs> your teeth are yellow. Fuck you, man. Is that your wife? She's a whore. And like, he literally just, these people are just showing up to like look at boobies. And yeah. he's, just like, <laughs> he's just roasting the room. That's funny though. Yeah, man, and like on more than one occasion, like he'd be too dirty, and they would kick him out of the place, and they get someone to replace <laughs> him. And you, and sometimes it was Don Rickles. Don, oh, wow. Don, Don Rickles will go even more in on people. He just won't be as dirty. Yeah, but Lenny Bruce, he uh, too dirty for strip club. That's too dirty for strip clubs, man. Wow. He uh, he's the first. I think he was he was the first or second comedian to actually get arrested for obscenity. Verbally, wow, yeah, that's something. It's on more than one occasion, and one one time, uh, George Carlin got arrested with him because he just started wilding out too. <laughs> <laughs> George Car- George Carlin back in the day, he was with uh, in the fifties. He was with Jack Allen, and they were Allen and Carlin, the the comedic duo. See, I was I was actually going to ask about Carlin because I do I do love me some Carlin both as a comedian and as the narrator of Thomas the Tank Engine. But that's besides the point. But um, I wasn't sure how far back Carlin went. But 50s, he's, he's 50s? 50s. Okay. He uh, Back then, he was on the radio with his partner, Jack Allen. 
And then they started getting some club dates. They did some writing on TV. They did some TV spots on the, I think it was the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. It might have been a different show. Uh, but yeah, man. And then they broke apart. Jack Allen went to Second City and did some clubs. Uh, George Carlin really got into stand-up like heavily and became the legend that we know today. What about what about fifty stand up? Do you think, other than perhaps the the improvisational aspect, what do you think is the biggest difference between what what's going on today and what's going on back then? You and know, I, I ask because old movies very rare. I find one that I like. Like I watched Casablanca for the first time recently. That movie holds up fantastically, but a lot of black and white stuff I can't. It's just the, it's that, uh, what do they call that? Intercontinental way of talking. I'm an actor. Like, I, yeah. I can't stand it. That's just not how people talk. Like, and it just, it drives me insane. And I get a vibe of that from some old stand-up comedy. Like, I'm about to shoot myself in the foot with the comedic listening audience. But, like, I tried showing my fiance, Andrew Dice Clay, because yeah. he was coming to Governors. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, he's this, like, famous, like, great comedian. Because I remember listening to him growing up, and I thought he was hilarious. And we put it on, and we're just like... This is not our era. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So I'm, I'm curious what you, what, yeah, what you like about the 50 stuff compared to today. I think the difference is shock value. They, uh, they were changing the game, saying stuff that's never been said before in the 50s. Okay, but now today, like it's nothing. Like, like, we're, like we were talking before, it's not on your shirt, come on your shoe. Like, it's, it's not that. Like, it's different. It's yeah. just evolving, and the shock value isn't as easily easily get you can't get that shock value as easily nowadays you really need to yeah. say something out there to get that shock value absolutely but back in the day you know you say just something like you couldn't even talk about like you couldn't talk about fucking a girl you know what this is making me think of is almost making me think of Eric Andre because he's, I think my favorite shock value or cringe humor or yeah. real like uh, currently and it's almost like what you're saying is these 50 guys, 50s guys are almost like the Eric Andres of the 50s. They're pushing their own boundary, whereas today the line has moved so far to whatever direction of, of craziness, like you're saying. But So what about that does it for you as somebody that lives in 2020? Like you just you know, appreciate that they're going past that boundary or it just, does, it just clicks with you? It's really, it's nothing that deep. I, I just find it really funny. Okay, yeah. You know? Hey, man, that's <laughs> that's the game. <laughs> Like, oh, man, uh, I want to talk one more improv- improvisational comedian I'll talk about that I got to talk about on this is Don Rickles. Okay. Oh, man. If Don Rickles was alive today, man, oh, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, I think he's too <laughs> he's too respectful to uh, to like joke about a topic that's serious. But like okay. his racial humor is just insane. Like I listened to this one bit of him, his uh like, I have a Google Home. I'll say, hey, Google, play Don Rickles. And immediately go, uh, Midway Mania. You're gonna love it. It's Insania. It's his, uh, <laughs> it's him as Mr. Potato Head singing a kid's song for a Toy Story album. Okay. There's like two of those. I say, hey, Google, skip, skip. Even though it's kind of good. I say, skip. Let me get to the comedy. And the Don- then it's, ladies and gentlemen, Don Rickles. Oh, isn't that nice? Uh, guy in a red shirt. I got a dummy mountain in the front. Uh, sorry, I messed it up, man. No, you're good. <laughs> I, got a, I got a dummy mountie in the front. And everyone's just like laughing their ass off. 
And, uh, and then he gets to the black guy in the room. He's like, oh, is that the black guy in the black? How you doing? Uh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> he goes, uh, as far as I'm concerned, come up front and make trouble. Freaking, it's just hilarious. <laughs> so he, he I, what it's sounding to me like is that he flirted with, you know, the racial tension of the era and almost like people do today. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, but in their version of it from the, the little bit of a darker time period. <laughs> yeah. Don Rickles says to a, he just points one guy out and just, just, uh, dubs him a queer. He goes, uh, hey, you like that queer? He goes, you know how I know you're queer? You just come by my bunk. It's morning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go in the park and have a love out. You know, uh, just as a funny coincidence, that that was part of what turned me and my fiance off of uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Was it wasn't? We didn't think he was being. You know, we're not we're not the kind of people to be like, oh my god, he's talking about gay people. How could he? But it just like in that specific context was just not funny. Cause the, we, the first thing we turned on, he's just like, isn't it crazy? The gays, they're like not even humans. And it's like, like I can laugh at that looking at the context of the time and what, and all that. But like sitting there with my girl, we were just like, where's the joke, <laughs> you know? Like, but that's for that time that killed, like he was yeah. the biggest comic in the world. Cause you know what? Uh, the thing is he would say some like messed up stuff. Yeah. But half of his set is him saying the most respectful things like that's that's why we come out here. We got to joke about this stuff. You're black, you're Asian, I'm a Jew. Yeah. Why can't we all come into a room and love each other? That he says stuff like that and that's how he gets away with it. Because sure. cuz he's such a respectful guy. Like he has respect for people. So when he like insults them cuz he's an insult comic. Mm-hmm. Like you don't mind. Like you're just like, "Oh, it's just comedy." Sure. Cuz he he puts that vibe out there like like, hey, we're making fun of each other, but hey, we still respect each other. We're all human. Absolutely. That's why I feel like I've gotten away with some of the stuff that I've said on stage. Because it's that similar lane of like, it's obvious that I'm I'm using these things, these elements in our real world to make a joke. And it's obvious I don't hate anybody. If you think I hate somebody because I'm bringing it up, like, you're an idiot. Like, yeah. it's just, but that's, that's cool, though. That's really, I guess you could get away with more in that sense back then. Like if you if you were being hateful on stage, I guess you could. I, I imagine you could get away with it depending on the room you were doing. I don't know. I that's such an interest. I've never like thought about that dynamic because I've thought about it such in the terms of the present, doing my own stand up of like uh, what what's what's kosher. I guess <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just wild to think about just how different. Now I I gave my idea of why how fifties comedy might facilitate the guilty end of of the topic. But uh, what would you say if I were to just to ask you plainly, like, why do you consider it a guilty pleasure and not just a pleasure pleasure? What what might you say, Mister Solomon? All right, I'll give you I'll give you three examples. <laughs> okay, all right. Takes out a notebook. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so I'm talking to my grandma. We're having a nice conversation, and then I quote Don Rickles, and she goes, "Oh boy, you uh, shows your character, Matt. You uh, she'll say something like that, and uh." I'll turn the whole conversation because I'm just talking to my grandma. We're having a nice, we're having a sweet conversation. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like I quote the, "Hey, is that black guy in the black in the back?" Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, come up front, and make trouble. You know, I'll say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll quote that, and then uh, the conversation will turn. I I had a girl at my house yesterday. Uh, you know, we're just talking, we're just talking off the top of our heads, and you know, uh, it could have gone any way. You could think it could go. 
with a guy and a girl in her bedroom. Uh, we ended up talking about Jonathan Winters. We, okay, uh, hey. And she did not bring it up. <laughs> and she did not participate in the conversation. Oh, no. <laughs> she just listened. How did it hit her? How did I'm curious. Were you were you uh, successful in conversation? Did she d- appreciate where it went, or how? Did, I'm, I'm curious. I got my point across. Okay. She uh, she didn't know who Jonathan Winters was when she walked in, but when she walked out, when she walked <laughs> out of my bedroom, she was satisfied, real satisfied, about knowing who Jonathan Winters is. <laughs> you know what, man? I. My fiance says that to me all the time. She's like, I never, I did not think I'd ever know this much about Transformers. <laughs> but the reason why we work out is because like, I'll, I, I love talking about them. It's the thing I love. It's, it is my guilty pleasure that started this fucking show, but she appreciates that I'm, I want to share my true, uh, fuck, I hate calling it a passion, like me buying plastic from China as a passion, but you know, she fucks with me talking about my passion. And if, you know, if this chick likes you talking about Jonathan Winters, man, then, you know, more power to you. That's like, that's how, you know, you found a, a potentially cool other human to hang out with, you know? Yeah, really. It really, that's a big one. Hey, man, you said uh, buying plastic from China. I really thought forks. I don't, forks just came into my head. That is, I imagine, a plastic product they make in China. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's crazy to think about? Um, there's a, you can't really see them, but uh, there's a, there's a subgroup called the Dinobots, and they turn into these, like, not realistic-looking dinosaurs. Like, they look like robot dinosaurs. And I just think it's funny how it took real dinosaurs dying and getting turned into whatever, like, the precursor to, you know, oil and, and the petroleum and all that shit just to then be mold-injected back into dinosaur shapes. Like, it's <laughs> just... And then they turn into robots. It's just like, what the fuck is life anymore <laughs> crazy man i saw a video of some little kids they got dressed up as transformers for halloween and like they had they were like uh, there's some rich kids they had like the uh the insane costume so like is it like, the one that trans that actually transforms that actually transforms yeah man that that's some custom shit i yeah. don't think they did it like my dad did that for me when i was a kid man he made a thomas the tank engine costume out of like cardboard boxes and painted it and it slipped over me with a pair of suspenders. So I walked around with like this three-dimensional actual costume. And other four-year-olds have like that like poncho with his face on it. And I'm like, you kids suck. My dad's so cool. But yeah, man, custom costumes are... So th- those transforming costumes hit me right in the fucking Transformer boner, dude. Those things are so cool. But... Uh, back to back to fifties comedy, man. What else? Uh, what else you got? Like, who else yeah. do you love? All right, so well, let's take it to one. I thought of one more improvisational aspect of fifties comedy. Okay. Uh, so you have SNL. Before that, and they actually got most of their first cast from Second City, right? An improvisational group, uh, in Chicago, and they ended up getting all their people, and they were pretty inspired by the Compass, which was. It was the fifties second city. Like they they were insane. They had they put on skits, they had shows. It was it was like a live SNL, but it was all improv. Okay. And this was like the forefront. This was the beginning. And you had people like uh you had Alan Arkin, you had Shelley Berman, you had Nichols and May. Um that's all I know off the top of my head, but they were just insane and they uh that to think of Alan Arkin, like if you see him in any movie now, like he's just hilarious. Shelley Berman went down in comedy history as, you know, one of the greatest guys to do it. You know, he he's just a legend. Mm-hmm. And then Nichols and May, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Graduate. 
Uh, Mike Nichols directed that. He became a real good director. I'm I'm very familiar, but it's it's like again, it's like Jaws. I don't think I've actually seen it. <laughs> yeah. Well, then May May got into uh, Broadway, and the thing about May May was like she was one of the first like improvisational women in, in the game. She was like a stone cold fox. All right. She was like she was not she was Jewish. <laughs> she was tall. She had black hair. She was feisty, man. All right. She uh, now she get any guy she wants. She walked into a room one day. And just goes and goes, okay, where can a girl get laid around here? And all the guys at the compass are just looking at each other. In the fucking 50s, dude. Yeah. That's 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 wild to think about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and everyone's looking like, I'm not about to... Fu-. Like, they, they thought she was smoking hot, but they're like, oh, I'm not... Uh, somebody compared it to, they said, uh, that'd be like sticking my dick in a garbage disposal. Yikes. <laughs> and so th- they all point this guy, Del Close, like, hey, Del... Del, why don't you go fuck her? And he, he, they said he came into work the next day skipping. <laughs> De- Sounds like you had a good time. If you don't know who Del Close is, he's like an improvisational guru who worked with people on like Second City. Everyone like worked with everyone like John Candy worked with, worked with like uh, all all the greats from Second City. Um, you know John Belushi, uh, Gilda Radner, Dan Aykroyd. He's worked with them all, and uh, real legend. He. Uh, I think he died. He uh, he's at battled drugs his most of his life. Gotcha. Well, let me ask you: Are the the improvisational comics that you mentioned are they at all responsible for improv as we know it today, with like improv troops and like whose line yes. style games? Like, is that them or is that more like Second City? When did SNL start? I feel like you SNL started. I think seventy four. Okay, so that's way later than we're talking about. Yes, I uh, that makes sense. We're talking like fifty two, right? And yes, uh, the compass is responsible, in my opinion, for all the co- uh, improvisational troops and all okay. the classes people getting together, because it wasn't really a thing until the compass made it a thing. Okay. Have you ever done any any like improv troupe style stuff, like who's line line esque? It's no, so fun, I dude. My, really want to. My first year of college, the like the university's you know com- weekly comedy club that you know that not a club club like a school club. I always feel like I have to make that distinction because I've told the story and people are like, you had a comedy club on canvas? Like, no, <laughs> it was like in an English room. Uh, but it was a two hour club every Tuesday. The first hour, um, the president would moderate. He would basically be our Drew Carey and we'd do Who's Line games. And it was the f- most fun thing, especially a group of college kids. And then the second hour was like, do five to 10 minutes and we'll like critique you. But you know, I don't think of that as real experience for me. Like, I don't consider that when I started stand up, but it it laid a lot of foundation for when I started it. You know, a year and a half ago. Like it, it really gets you. It it, it works that part of your brain that if you go up and you're doing stand up and you want to do crowd work or you want to do improv stuff, it, it gets those gears turning. I think maybe easier than just going up solo and doing it. Um. I don't know. I'd love to get something going, man. Like, it's just, it's too fun. I'm down, man. It's too we fun. Should, yeah, should, we'll uh, talk. We should make something. Absolutely. Especially with this new theater space I'm working with. Like, as long as we can move a few tickets, like, they're down to produce, they're down to, you know, put stuff together. Damn. Yeah, how do you feel about uh, Who's Line? Uh, a lot of people, Who's it's another one. Some people hate it. Some people love it. It's great. Yeah, thank it's you. Awesome. Yes. I, I kind of wish the, the revival survived, but it didn't, uh, I gotta admit, I didn't enjoy it as much as the old stuff myself, but... I'm glad they at least tried to bring it back, you know? Yeah. 
Now, that was a great show. I got introduced to that show when I was like 10 years old. That was probably the first improvisational comedy I was subjected to. And yeah. I, I had no idea it was improv. I just thought this was, it could have been scripted for all I knew. That, that's how good they were. Well, I would have killed to go to a taping of that, you know? Yeah. I love the guy. I, I don't know his name, but he was in Two and a Half Men. You know what I'm talking about? He played like, uh, he played Alan's ex-wife's new husband. Oh, the tall one? Yeah, the tall one. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan so- something. Sounds right. Yeah, no, he's down. Like, the, yeah, kind of like goofy vibe to him. Yeah, yeah. I guess they were all kind of goofy. And, uh, now that I say it. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm trying to think. Uh, the, I don't know. I really don't know their name. I know Drew Carey. I, I don't know the rest of their names. Was, uh, Ryan Styles, right? Definitely Ryan Styles. Wayne Brady's an easy one. Yeah, Wayne Brady. <laughs> Wayne Brady played um, played Neil Patrick Harris's gay brother in How I Met Your Mother. Really? Yeah, that was I didn't funny. Know that. that was funny. <laughs> Who do you think today draws uh, inspiration? If you had to, if you had any present comics, you think that draw inspiration from your fifties homies? What do you present? Think? All of them, man. Really? All of them, man. Uh, I feel like we've moved to such a. Uh, I don't want to say there's no improv because that's not true. Right. But the pit. I think of like. Um, I credit Bert Kreischer with being one of the comedians that. You know what it was? I heard the machine story and I'm like, I have really funny stories that if I, if I punch them up and I maybe uh, finesse a few details in a few directions, like they could be these kind of stand up stories. Like I, I credit him for, for trying me trying stand up and getting into it, but that's still a very calculated and planned story. You know what I mean? Like you think of Bo Burnham and how, meticulous down to like the millisecond timing for sound effects and for, you know, it's a lot, it's almost like the opposite direction. It's a lot, it's, it's, there is improv in standup, but it's the stuff at the top or that's in the public view. I feel like there's not as much, but then you think of a guy like big J Okerson, he's huge, but he's also not, I don't think, you know, he, he gets the same name recognition as, uh, I don't know, Tom Segura. Like I'm not saying he shouldn't, he definitely should. I love big J. He was one of my favorites, but He's really what comes to mind for me of, of like a crowd work improv ish kind of kind of guy, but no one specifically jumps out at you. Just everybody. No, you know, um, I think it's kind of a generational thing. Um, I think like guys like Dave Chappelle, I feel like guys like him and like Tom Segura, mm-hmm. they they're in, they got to be inspired by by like Lenny Bruce at least. Lenny Bruce, okay. Jonathan Winters, the, like the big name guys, like sure. the, the big influential guys. They had to have had an effect on them, but it's, and I'm sure they did, but it's more of a generational thing. Like the guys in the nineties, nineties who came up like Dave Chappelle in the nineties and like Chris Rock in the nineties, they were all, they all kind of like had in the back burner, like Sam Kinison Mm -hmm. and uh, Richard Pryor and George Carlin, Robin Williams, all those guys. Sure. And before them, they were all inspired by like Jonathan Winters, Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul. And then it went to the next generation, like our generation now. Now we're getting inspiration from like Colin Quinn and like Dave Chappelle, Tom Segura, all those guys. It's really a generational thing, you know. Everyone's, ins- I feel everyone's inspired by the people who came before them. But it's just the guys from the fifties; they laid the groundwork. So that's the bedrock. Yes, yeah. sure. So, so I'm sure like all, all these like big name guys, like Dave Chappelle and like Bill Burr, Louis C.K. has gone on record saying how like much he's influenced by Lenny Bruce. These hmm. top guys, I'm sure they got to know 
they gotta have some inspiration from Lenny Bruce and like Jonathan Winters and all those guys because they're they're doing an update not an updated they're they're their own people and they're doing stand up that no one else has done before. But they their groundwork comes from what these guys in the fifties revolutionized. What era, if you know off the top of your head, is Steve Wright? Is that Steve also fifties or is that later? <sighs> I want to say 80s. 80s. I only ask because he's another guy that like when people ask me if I'm familiar and I say no and they're like, oh my God, like how dare you call it? Not that all that you're saying this, but there are people will be like, how would you call yourself a comedian? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just thought it'd be funny to go to a bar and yell at people. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't know everybody, but. I, I'm no, I'm, I'm glad. I, I feel like I have a a good list of people just from this chat alone that I'm gonna I'm gonna take a peek and just and see, you know. It's like uh, yeah. it's like doing the the ancestry test, but for comedy, and I don't have to poop in a tube yeah, and man. mail it out to some weird company that just collects people's shit and tells them about their fucking ancestors. Right. Do you ever do that? You ever do the, the ancestry send, test? Send my poop to ancestry.com or any any of that. Yeah, it's so weird, dude. It's very strange. <laughs> I don't think the poops are a requirement. I think, uh, <laughs> uh, dude, some of the some of them it's a requirement. Really? My, well, you know what it was. My my fiance did one that was less geared towards just telling you about your ancestry. It, it it they did do that, but part of it was also like to tell you about your health and different stuff going on. So they they wanted poop, but I think uh, I think I think a lot of them just want some spit. <laughs> but. You know, it's funny, like, I talk to some of my more paranoid friends, and they're like, oh, man, they're going to sell everybody's DNA to the government, and then they're going to have your DNA. And I'm like, what are they going to do with it? They, they can, if the government wants my shit, they can have it. Like, I'll mail it out to yeah. them every day. But, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do a uh, a little bit of a deep dive. Out of the names you've given me, is there anyone that you feel is uh, the biggest influence on you? or uh, Jonathan Winters? Jonathan Winters and Don Rickles are my idols. Gotcha. Yeah, I worship them. So I'll, I'll go listen to them and and see uh, the little the threads that lead to Matt Solomon. I'm excited. Oh yeah. <laughs> did they did they also put out uh, uh hip hop albums or you drew um, that from a different place? P- Pigmeat Markham did. Uh, Pigmeat Markham did did comedy and uh, and the hip hop. What era is that person from? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think he's he might I think want, I want to say he's from the 50s, but he might be earlier. And he was doing it, <laughs> and he was from the fifties, and he was doing music also. Yeah, in that that you would not, say is not it. like not hardcore music, right. but like it was like comedic, like lighthearted um, skits. It, okay. it, it was a skit, but he would just like rap before rapping was rapping. Wait, I have to. This is I got to write this one down. Pygmy, what a weird first name. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. What's the last name again? Markham. I had Markham. no idea how to spell it. I, it'll come up <laughs> with the first name Pygmy. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, man. Are How we- did you first get exposed to this this old era of comedy? Oh. Especially with some of it, I imagine, being not documented. All right. So if I tell the story, I can't get arrested. I, it's not. Oh, yeah. No, we're all we're just making stuff up. This, this, this is stays, not real. Like I do between- math. I do. You know what I mean? This is all fake. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I may or may not have stolen a book from the library. Oh my God. Wee woo, wee woo. Come yes. get Matt. <laughs> Am I a bad boy in the term of the <laughs> word? Yes. Am I sorry for what I did? No. Will I do life in prison for it? Probably. 
I texted the cops. They're coming. <laughs> no, but uh, I ended up, I rented a book out from the library uh, six years ago, and I never returned it because I fell in love with it. And, uh, what was the book? It was called Seriously Funny. It's uh, called Seriously Funny, the Rebellion, the rebellion, Rebellious Comedians of the 50s and 60s. Okay, that'll do it. <laughs> Everyone we talked about is in that book, except for okay. Don Rickles. What, was it more of like a biographical, like about their lives? What, what? Biographical. Okay. And, and you know what's cool? Because cool um, each chapter is a different comedian. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it's an easy read. Um, I have the worst memory ever. Can you what, What's the book again? Seriously Funny. Seriously Funny. Yep. And uh, it's a blue cover, but if you also want a book with the same kind of feel, but written by an actual comedian... Funny People by Steve Allen is the same blueprint of Seriously Funny. Okay. But it's just different comedians. Interesting. That one has like, like Seriously Funny. I mean, uh, Funny People by Steve Allen has like Robin Williams, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor. Okay. So a little, little later. Yeah, a little but later. But same vein. Same vein. I, dude, I, I might go steal these from my library tonight, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, do it, man. They're good books. <laughs> Man, watch this podcast blow up, and then soon every library in America is just like, why is everybody stealing these books specifically now? It's like, thanks to Matt Solomon, the ringleader of comedy book fever. <laughs> yeah, I picture some uh, some big comedy fan, like like only me and him have read this book, yeah. and, and they go to the library to check it out, and it's not there anymore, like, dang it. And meanwhile, I'm I'm at home going. <laughs> hey man, I don't know. I have if, the book. Now. I don't know if you d- deliberately intended for this, but that is that oh, perhaps the most literal. You are guilty of the pleasure of enjoying '50s comedy. You are you are guilty. Like you're going to jail for book thievery. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bust out the handcuffs. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Miss Martin, the uh, the 80 year old woman behind the desk at Wanto Library. If you're listening to Shut this, up. you'll never catch me. <laughs> She's not fast enough. No, she uh, she can't even tell that I she can't even tell I stole a book six years ago. Uh. I've yet to get a bill saying that I haven't returned the book. So now I'm actually kind of questioning my library. Are are they even like what are they doing? Are they even paying attention? I don't think so. No, they're still trying to figure out the Dewey Decimal System. You know. Yeah. It was either Seriously Funny or the Ellen DeGeneres autobiography. I, I chose Seriously Funny. Sorry, Ellen DeGeneres. But I went with Seriously Funny, and I don't regret it. I don't regret I still watch the Ellen show every day. But hey, I also read that book. <laughs> I get my dose of comedy. I, I feel like uh, the culture would almost applaud you for stealing Ellen DeGeneres merchandise today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man... Uh, Somebody tried to convince me that Ellen DeGeneres was on house arrest, and that's why she was doing her show from her house. Not the, not the quarantine. Not the quarantine. No, they're, like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, Ellen DeGeneres got into some serious shit, and she's on house arrest. It's not. It, it was just a rumor. Hey, man, I've seen some really creepy pictures of her online that I'm like, she's like, it just looks like she's being inducted into the Illuminati. Yeah. It's it just gets it gets creepy, man. It's crazy, man. You know, I'm scared of all that stuff, man, like secret societies and all that kind of jazz. Hey man, we should have I should have had you on for our conspiracy theories episode. Uh that was uh that was Allie Walker we had on. Oh, I learned about Flight 800 for the first time on that on that, that episode. That's um how old are you? 25. Okay, I'm 26. In the late 90s, 
it was a flight from one of the New York airports to France got shot down. Well, officially not shot down, but got shot down by our own Navy because apparently the Navy tests missile guidance systems on commercial jets all the time. They just don't put the missile into like the chamber or whatever. And somebody fucked up and they shot and they killed a bunch of French people. Oh, that's and, not good. Yeah. And Allie like told me about it and how like, you know, the reasons why she's like, oh, no, this is a real This is a real thing. It's not a conspiracy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she's like firsthand evidence. Like, you know, but that stuff gets stuff gets wild and and depressing. But. I had a friend, uh, we were talking, uh, we were talking after Kobe Bryant died, we were contemplating some, uh, conspiracy theories and we were talking about like, I was saying to him, like, I don't even know how you sell your, how do you sell your soul to the devil? Like, how, like, how would you even go about it? He goes, I know. And then he just turns away like real mysteriously and won't tell me. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, if I told you, you wouldn't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> like oh, some no. scary shit. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because yeah, all that stuff, man, like, like I, I, I beg to go to heaven and like, like take me, you know? Okay. I might have stolen the book or two from the library, but you know, take, accept me, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Take me to heaven. Uh, I think we got a little off topic. I mean, it happens. It's, it's, it's par for the course for this show, but I, no, I, I, to come back though, I, I still just think it's funny that you are, you are literally like in the eyes of the law guilty. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Oh man! I mean, I wonder how big the bill would be if they actually billed me for that book for having it for six years. Oh my god! I'm like, assuming they don't cap the the interest at some point, it just keeps growing. It's like Futurama, where he's a billionaire in the year three thousand because he had five dollars in a savings account. Oh man! Oh, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, any any other bases you might want to touch on? Like, I yeah. uh, if there's any marks for fifties comedy we missed, please feel free to yes. to go to town. All right, so you cannot talk about 50s comedy without talking about the best show probably ever, best comedic show probably to ever hit TV, which is your show of shows starring Sid Caesar and Imogene Coco. Where is this going? This this was like, like when I said The Compass was kind of like SNL, they really just had the people. Like SNL got their people from Second City who got their people from The Compass. So that's how they're connected. But uh-huh. your show of shows, it was it's a live it was a live two hour broadcast of comedic sketches and music. And so Sid Caesar is just a genius. Sid, Sid Caesar, probably one of the greatest performers to ever bless television, mm-hmm. maybe the. But he started out. He was just a kid. I think he was from Yonkers. Okay. And his dad had a restaurant where all it was like an immigrant's favorite restaurant one table was the italians the other table were the frenchmen the other table were the russians <laughs> the other table was the jamaicans they were all different nationalities at every table so he picked up on the different languages and cadences of how they talk so then he developed something called double talk which is pretty much speaking in a foreign language without saying anything like like no, are they? Is he using real words, or is it like fly the concords, fudafafa, where it's, it's like, fudafafa? Uh-huh. But he uses he says it in a way that like you know what he's saying. Okay, like uh, but like if somebody's speaking the that speaks the actual language, would that, they be able to be like, oh, he's saying words, it's just not 
It's they, just gibberish. He's so good, they would know it's not their language, but they would question what language it is because... Okay, all right, I got Because you. it's so good. Interesting. <laughs> so Sid Caesar, but get this, his writers yeah. were like the best writing team ever assembled to work on a television show. Okay. It was Mel Token. It was Neil Doc Simon. It was Mel Brooks. And it was Woody Allen. But Woody Allen was actually just their typist. He didn't actually no work way. on the show. Yeah, Woody, <laughs> young Woody Allen was her typist. Mel, Mel Brooks said in an interview once, uh, yeah, if he knew he was going to be Woody Allen, he would have let him talk once in a while. <laughs> yeah, wild. man. So that's probably the greatest show to ever come out of the 50s, possibly the best sketch TV show to ever hit the airwaves, close to SNL and the Chappelle show. Um, yeah, man, but then all, all the guys you had from that, they... The, most of the writers became famous playwrights. And Mel Brooks even won a Tony for, I think it was for the producers on Broadway. Okay. And But Mel Brooks, let's get on to Mel Brooks. He, uh, Mel Brooks is actually, he's up there as one of my biggest influences. Sure. He, uh, hmm, he's from Brooklyn. He, uh, his real name is Melvin Kaminsky. Uh, he got the name Brooks because I think it's his mother's maiden name or something. Sure. And, uh, He's probably most famous, well, he's famous for his movies, but he's probably most famous for his character, The 2,000-Year-Old Man. Have you ever heard of it? No. And I, I don't know. I feel like I, I have a decent understanding of Mel Brooks, but no, I, I'm not familiar. All right. So um, so Mel Brooks is a 2,000-year-old man, or that's <laughs> his character. Sure. And Carl Reiner is his straight man. And so Carl Reiner will ask him questions like, you were at the scene of the crucifixion? He goes, yes. He goes, what was what was Jesus like? He goes, thin lad, right? Thin lad. <laughs> He'd always come into the store with his with his 12 disciples. Yeah. They would never buy anything. They would just look around. <laughs> and uh, they were like, uh, one of his famous lines is, uh, you knew Joan of Arc? No, her. I went with her, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> And that's um that's crazy that 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 album that album uh it started off as a party gag like they would just do it at parties to entertain their friends really then people started coming up to them saying you got to record it you got to record it then one day Steve Allen uh Steve Allen the guy who wrote that book Funny People the first who the guy who created the Tonight Show he got he booked them studio time and made it actually happen so they. Steve Allen is kind of responsible for making the 2,000-year-old man album happen. And that influenced so many people, from Richard Lewis to, I'm sure, comedians of today, like Dave Chappelle and all those guys. I really don't know a lot of comedians of today, so I, I say Dave Chappelle a lot. <laughs> <laughs> comedians of the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Nah, just kidding. His recent stuff is fantastic. Yeah, but, uh, yeah man, I'm, I'm like so on that, the, the Burt, and Tom train right now. I can't. I can't hop off. I just love him. Uh, uh, do uh, how do you feel about those two? Bert Kreischer, Tom Segura. Tom Segura is very funny. Um, I never heard of the other guy. No, no. Honestly, oh no. man, I'm showing you my the the story that that makes sense that you it did didn't register when I mentioned the machine story. Like Bert is one of my favorite comics and has been doing comedy a long time, and he just never he always did well, but he never blew up. And then he has this one, like, I think it's like a 15 minute long, 
like single story about him going to Russia when he was in college and it just caught fire on the internet and like just it's it's how he kind of blew up to be about the same size as Segura. What what's his name? Uh Bert Kreischer. Okay. Also known as the machine. <laughs> I think he, um do you ever watch Van Wilder? Yes. Bert sold the rights to his life story and they made Van Wilder with it. That, really? Absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll, uh, and they, they have a great podcast. It's just the two of them. They call it Two Bears, One Cave because they're both, you know, chunky boys. But uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. They're just a great dynamic, funny dudes. Um, do some silly shit on there. So, yeah, I'll, I'm big shout out and plug to a podcast uh, millions of times bigger than mine. They really need the help. Yeah. <laughs> but I do I do highly recommend um, really anybody listening to this, you know. If you're listening to this, go listen to a good show. I mean, but uh, yeah, unless you have any other specific things to throw my way, we are at about the usual, uh, the usual time. Um, so at that point, uh, let me get into Woody Allen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, hey man, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I I don't take it the wrong way. I uh, if it's, it's time to end, it's time to end. I could go. I could talk about a few other comedians, but nah. One more. We'll do. We'll do one more. Yeah. Who, who's who? Do you got to mention? All right, so since we were talking about your show of shows, let's talk about Woody Allen. Let's do it. Woody Allen was becoming a very successful, promising comedy writer for television and all that jazz. And then people were putting it in his head, you got to try stand-up. You'd be good. Try stand-up. So he tries it, and he's terrible. He's the worst. He uh, He's getting booed off stage. They're not listening to him. They're screaming at him. And he's not even doing the Woody Allen that we knew okay. at his peak. Proto Allen. He's doing like Bob Newhart with the phone calls. He's doing Elaine May, but he'd call it Elaine May in drag, which is actually pretty funny. <laughs> okay. And then uh and then that wasn't working, so he's trying to he kind of switched to a Mort Saul kind of vibe. And uh and then after that he kind of found his niche and became Woody Allen. And yeah, man. Woody Allen went on to make all those movies and he yeah, he's actually made a couple recent movies. I think Selena Gomez was even in a recent movie of his. Okay, when I say recent though, like two thousand seven, I think, or something. Sure. And this millennia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Woody Allen's definitely a guy you have to check out. My favorite is because he says my last name in the bit. Is he brings a moose to dinner? He brings a moose to a Halloween party, mm-hmm. and the moose wins second prize for best costume. The first prize, the first prize was the Solomons who dressed as a moose. They won first prize <laughs> at the Halloween costume contest. That was just funny. And then... Uh, and then uh, Wait, I, I'm feeling really stupid now. So the moose is there, and there's also people dressed as the moose. Yeah, not that exact moose, but like like he get... He, uh, I kind of botched the joke a little bit. He, uh, okay, I was wh- wh- feeling like really stupid. I was like, I want to get this. So, so Woody Allen, Woody Allen's hunting upstate. Okay, he shoots a deer in the head. Okay, puts it on his went, puts it on his uh, the top of his car, and starts driving to his Halloween party. All of a sudden, the the moose isn't dead. So he's thinking, what do I got to do? What am I going to do? I can't drive back upstate. I just passed the Holland Tunnel. I got to take him to the party with me. So they uh, they introduce the moose. And they go, you know the Leibowitzes, and uh, and uh, and so they he says, you know, the moose went in, had a drink, mangled, 
won second prize for best contest. First prize went to the Solomons, who were actually dressed as a moose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's more to the. It's actually a very funny bit. If you uh, no, it, it's bet, on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Type in uh, Woody Allen moose bit. Woody, go do it right now. All five the legion of five guilty pleasure personals listeners. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mr. Solomon. Please feel free to plug uh, whatever you got going on. I know I already mentioned your your album, but f- please feel free to talk about it because I did I did have a fun time listening to it. I did. Did you? I did. Thank you. I I tried I tried referencing it. I was going to reference it at the uh, the roast of Steve Rockwell Perello and Kevin Brogan, but I I just didn't think of it up there. But I I, I love the first song. I just love the uh, just the way the first one goes when you're singing your name. It just specifically got. Like it became a little bit of an earworm, you know. It got stuck in my head. So, I appreciate hell yeah, man. I, I just, I yeah. love, I love comedic music. I'm such a, I'm so big about it. Whether or not, you know, what I mean, or just comedians doing music, whatever the intention is, I just, I fuck with it. Yeah. So, um, if you haven't uh, been around the uh, the underground Long Island comedy scene, I, I was doing comedy. I kind of took a break to get into some music. I was heavily doing some music. Uh, I put out an album. It's called From the Burbs. My rapper name is M. Sal. I do the occasional open mic. You can find me at Ziggy's. You can find me at One Eye Jacks. I'm about to check out the alibi. And, you know, the album's From the Burbs by M. Sal. There's more soon to come. You can find me on uh, on Instagram, M, M underscore Sal 101. And let, let me do a little freestyle. Oh, fuck yeah, man. My name is Matt. I like to chat. If you a rat, I don't like that. Since my birth, I came to Earth with the girth in my wiener. Yo, ain't nobody like me. I'm the big cheese. I come through, got these MCs with some kind of disease like Corona. I pulled up in the Toyota. Room, room, room. I'm on my John Travolta with the pulp. I come through like the Hulk. Don't sulk. I try to bulk at the gym. I come through. I got fins on my rims as I swim my Civic in the Pacific. Let me get specific. I'm smiting like Poseidon, fighting Tyson, biting ears. You know what it is. The girl got a buzz because my cum tastes like light beer. I'm out of here. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can find me at all the usual places, Brandon Laka uh, on Instagram, uh, Guilty Pleasure Personals. I'm butchering my own plugs. Guilty Pleasure Personals everywhere on the internet. And uh, Comedy Nuggets, the uh, Long Island's newest uh, theater showcase, which I'm absolutely going to have you on. Uh, you know, it's a monthly monthly thing, so if it's not this next month or, you know what I mean, you're definitely in my head, man. Um well, nice. Please start coming to that. Even if you know if you're a city person or a Jersey person, uh, get in touch with me. I'll, I'll give you a break on the tickets for travel. But we're really trying to we're really trying to highlight the, uh, the talent we have on and around Long Island with that. So definitely come out. Uh, that's the first the first guilty pleasure production. I guess this is really the first guilty pleasure production. But this preceded the production company. And now that I'm doing that show, it's like I needed an umbrella thing to be so. Come come to our live show. Uh, it's more stand-up than this, but uh, do that. And like Matt said, come to Long Island. Check out our little underground in some places, above ground in other places uh, scene. It's a, it's a good time. We uh, I think we're making some cool art out here. And uh, peace out, everybody. Go check out some 50s comedy. <laughs>